Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Heels in the Courtroom. This is Erica Slater, and I'm joined by Megan Crow, Elizabeth McNulty, and Liz Lenevy. And today we are we're doing something a little different. We're talking about deposition objections, and we are going to give you real life examples of what we're talking about. As any practicing attorney, especially a young attorney would know, deposition objections from the opposing counsel have so many purposes other than just getting your objection on the record. Of course, you see senior counsel, especially when there's a young attorney on the deposition, taking the opportunity to coach their witness, saying whatever they need to to point their witness, especially an expert witness, in the right direction. Also, objections can often be meant to throw you off your game, intimidate you, or really stop the flow of your deposition, which if you are taking the deposition, you are in control, those are your questions, and you need to stay in the driver's seat. So hopefully some of these examples today will show you how some of the attorneys at our firm have handled that. Liz, just to start off, when you get a speaking objection in a deposition, what is your general method of dealing with that? When I get a speaking objection, I tend to have the uh, habit of letting the first one go. And that's just because I'm trying to keep things smooth. I don't want to let the other attorney know they may be getting under my skin. But it's sort of a, I'm going to let you have one. I'll I'll let you have your one pass. But then after that, if it continues and it happens a second time, that's when I have to step in and say, hey, you know that the rules do not allow for speaking objections. And you should also double check, though, what the particular rules are in whatever jurisdiction that you're practicing in. Different states have different rules on how much you're allowed to say. I I think some states, you can only say object to form and you can't go into any more detail. In Missouri, you are allowed to say object to form and then state what the particular objection is, but it has to be a recognized objection such as object to form, speculation, vague, calls for a legal conclusion. When you get into a speaking objection though, that's when the other attorney is starting to enter into what I think is a bit of a soliloquy. It's too much of a monologue and what ends up happening is they're answering for the witness through their objection to hint to the witness what they should be saying. And and you really got to put a stop to that. I will say that when I was a younger attorney, I did not realize that speaking objections were not allowed. And part of the reason I think that is, is because when I watched depositions being taken, when I just got to observe, it's typically a very experienced attorney with another very experienced attorney. And like you said, Erica, An experienced attorney knows not to try that with another experienced attorney. It's typically when the person taking the deposition is a younger lawyer and they think they might be able to try to get away with a little bit more. So that's what I ended up experiencing. And of course, I didn't realize that this was happening to me. I thought that this was allowed and that they were allowed to get their full objection onto the record. It wasn't until I read some depositions by more experienced lawyers who were calling out other lawyers saying, you're not allowed to do this that I realized, oh, I shouldn't be allowing that either. So that's why I'm so excited we're doing this episode. And if there's any really new attorneys listening, this is something you cannot let opposing counsel get away with. And you absolutely have the right to stand up and tell them to stop. So my general rule, I might let you get away with the first one, maybe. 
sort of depends too on on how the relationship in the case has evolved so far. If I know that this is something that they will continue to abuse, I'll call it out after that first one. But after the second one, you really have to get it on the record that they can't do speaking objections and that they have to stop that. And then if it continues to be a problem and you continually have to remind them what the rules are and they're not playing by the rules, at that point, you can get the judge on the phone. And that is the absolute last option. That's what I think is pushing the nuclear button because the last thing you want to do is get a judge on the phone to complain and have you and your opposing counsel bicker about speaking objections because every judge, at least in Missouri, is going to tell you, you all know better. My approach is similar, and I had to learn, Liz, as I was practicing longer, you know, kind of find my own footing and make sure to shut that down early. So my approach is always to bite fast and cut off the attorney. The second they go off script as far as what their legal objection is, I immediately get in there and stop them because speaking objections are powerful. They do guide the witness. You may have been on the cusp of getting a really good answer, and the intent of that speaking objection is to derail the witness, especially an expert witness, from answering your question in a way the attorney doesn't want them to. So I always make my objection really quick, really fast, and I will even shout on the record, stop, <laughs> really fast, and it gets everyone's attention. And then I state, we will not do any speaking objections. I've asked you to put a legal objection on the record and to stop there, something similar to that. I'm sure you'll hear in some of the examples going forward how we've done that too. But at the same time, even though I often get people's attention by saying stop or saying something really direct to cut off that lawyer, I always stay extremely calm and try to keep my tone very even because attorneys also want to throw you off your game. And the more calm that you can stay in the moment and the more in control, you're not going to get thrown off your questioning and you're not going to allow that attorney to see that you can be riled. So Elizabeth, you pulled a transcript from a case and this is a deposition of an expert, I believe, correct? Correct. A defense expert. Okay. And this was one of the attorneys from our office and opposing counsel going back and forth. And we are not using any attorney's names. So let me start with the question from our attorney. I'm guessing, why do we need two experts telling us what the standard of care requires for an emergency room when one is an emergency room physician and one is not? Object to the form of the question. I mean, he has testified based on his education, training, and experience. He's worked in emergency medicine. Please stop coaching the witness. I'm entitled to make my objection. You're not entitled to make speaking objections, which is a violation of Missouri law. You're not allowed to do it. You can object to the form of the question, which you did. You can object to foundation. You can object to the form. You're not allowed to give speeches about what Dr. So-and-so previously testified to. Okay, thank you. Also, thank you for that. I appreciate the lecture on the rules, but I'm going to make my objection, and I'm explaining what the objection is. It's been asked and answered, and I'm objecting to the form of the question. So, subject to that, if you can answer that question, you can answer it. Doctor, this is going to be interesting. Here's how I like to handle this type of coaching objections. Here's how I like to do it. Doctor, are you capable of remembering what your testimony is? Which particular testimony do you refer to? The one you're giving here today. Yes, I'm capable of knowing what I'm prepared to testify to today. Do you need a lawyer telling you what you did or did not say? I do not need a lawyer to tell me what to say or not say. You don't need a reminder or any help in that category, do you? I feel confident in the opinions I formulated. 
End scene. <laughs> End scene. So I pulled that testimony because I think that particular lawyer from our office did a really good job of addressing the objections that were being made to make clear that the witness was qualified to be able to recall what his prior testimony was and didn't necessarily need his lawyer to be making those objections. So I thought that that was a good way to handle that. Yeah. And the interesting thing, too, that you're going to hear in depositions all the time, this just happened to me yesterday. Sometimes you'll hear a legal objection. It'll be object to the form, calls for speculation, compound, or you know whatever the form of objection is. And then the attorney will turn to their client, witness, expert, whatever, and say, but you can answer if you can. And that is coaching. I'm fine telling the witness that you they can still answer because if witnesses aren't used to depositions, they're kind of seeing attorneys go back and forth and they're looking around the room like, do I still speak? Right. But when the attorney says, but you can answer if you can, it is coaching the witness. It's saying, I don't think you know that, so please don't you know, pretend like you know something or say something that I don't want you to say. It's a very clear direction. So I even cut off that kind of coaching, and I did that just yesterday in the deposition, and it didn't happen again, quite frankly. I'm curious what the group's consensus then is on after you have made an objection, telling your witness, do you need the question repeated? Because I've done that sometimes. If I've made my objection and maybe we've gone back and forth, I'm afraid that the witness has forgotten the question or, or maybe has gotten caught up in the back and forth with the attorneys. So am I breaking the rules by telling my witness, do you need the question repeated? I don't think so. And I was thinking about that while you were talking, Liz, because I often will kind of forget the way I phrased a question when you start going back and forth with an objection. And that's kind of one of those things where the lawyer is trying to get you off your game or they're being successful at it. So sometimes I can't even like spit out the question again because my attention has just been turned to the objections. So there's a couple options at that point. One is to have the court reporter read the question back, which is always fine. And it kind of gives you time to reset and get back on track where your questioning was. So that's a really good way to do it. You also wanna think about how your record's gonna come out in that regard. I think you can clip the video so your question as originally asked is in your voice and then the witness answers. So you don't have a witness responding to the court reporter reading the question when you play it at trial. The other thing you can do is rephrase your question. When you get a form objection, especially if an attorney says, you know, I object to the form. If it happens too often, I often say, can you explain your form objection so I can have an opportunity to correct my question? Because there's a whole category of form objections that are, you know, object to the form, compound, object to the form, calls for speculation. There's several. And if I ask a compound question, that's likely going to be a bad question if the judge has to rule on it. So I want an opportunity to correct that question so we have a clear record. The other thing, and for any new attorneys, please do this. Please make sure you do this and don't feel bad about doing this. 
Google depot objections <laughs> in your state <laughs> and you will get an article that was written by some other young attorney who made this mistake. There are so many objections to questioning that are preserved for trial. So you don't have to make those objections on the record, such as relevance objections, hearsay objections, leading objections. Those are all preserved. But things like form, calls for speculation, privilege, those are all deposition objections that if you don't make them at the time the question's asked, then you are going to forfeit that objection. I think implicit in this whole conversation that we didn't really spell out in black and white and what may not be as obvious to new attorneys who may be wondering why this is bad, that the reason that speaking objections aren't allowed is because lawyers tend to think of their case in legal terms and they know what testimony they need, what evidence they need for their legal case. Deponents aren't necessarily thinking in legal terms, they're thinking in factual terms. So the attorney may have in their mind some way that they want the testimony to come out or some phrase that they want on the record. And so these speaking objections are tending to maybe poke the witness to say a certain thing that the attorney once said as opposed to what is naturally known or coming from the deponent themselves. And so that's why these speaking objections are improper in the first place is because you have to let the deponent say what they want to say and not let the attorney make them say what they want for their case. Yeah, as far as small little testimony turning a legal issue, that's what's in our minds when we're in a deposition. And I'm probably trying to get that admission and that other lawyer is doing everything they can to prevent their witness from testifying. The depositions I had yesterday were employees at a construction company. Quite frankly, those types of depositions are always my favorite because they always say everything I need them to say. You know, they're not professional witnesses. They're just telling you like it is. And that was a, a construction accident. And one guy is looking at the pictures of the incident site and he's like, nope, that doesn't look safe at all. You know, and I'm like, I agree with you. I wish I had set this up for a corporate debt notice instead of a witness, but that's okay. So for all of you, have any of you, like Liz mentioned earlier, actually called the judge during a deposition? I have never had to call a judge. I will say in most of my experiences, at least now that I know that this is not something people can do now that I'm more experienced, typically it will stop after the first sort of dressing down I have to do. I think I've been in the room when it's happened. Me too. I wasn't actually taking the deposition. I must have still been in law school. But if my memory serves me, I don't think the judge answered and they decided to just keep going with the depo. It happens a lot with experts and expert depositions. And with that, it's probably a really contentious case. And it's two attorneys who have been working these cases up. There's generally like not bad blood, but there's just like a lot of tension in the room, I'd say. So I think when these kind of exchanges happen, it's a lot of built up projection generally. So I think kind of threatening to call the judge or like letting there be a break kind of lets everyone have a cooling off period and you kind of go back and resume your questioning. So I think that threatening to call the judge, maybe actually calling the judge can like lead to some resolution, even if the judge doesn't answer. At least that's been my experience. 
Yeah, I've never done it myself. Every time I've said it, I've used it sparingly. The other lawyer has actually calmed down. And I was in the room when it happened in a case when I was still on the defense side. And the partner I was working with and the plaintiff's attorney just did not get along. The plaintiff's attorney was from a different state where I'm telling you, plaintiff's attorneys are cowboys, which I still recognize. But, you know, they just practice law very contentiously. And they called the federal judge and got the federal judge on the phone. And the federal judge, it was a really, really big case. The federal judge, you know, was in lockstep with the parties and following the case really closely and knew that there was a lot of contention between the parties. And he did quickly dress down the plaintiff's attorney and say, hey, if that's going on, like knock it off right now. And it seems so childish to have the judge step in as a referee. But I mean, I don't know. A federal judge just has to like look at me a certain way. And I'm like, yes, of course. Do you think you have to wait until it's a really important question or should you do it just after it's happened so many times, regardless of what the question is? When is the right time to at least say that you're going to get the judge involved. I would take Liz's approach where, you know, give them a pass. Don't cry wolf with saying that. But if it keeps happening, I think you need to be committed that you might actually do that. Or like Elizabeth said, like take a break and attempt to do that. Whether you actually get the judge on the phone or not, I don't think that's the important part. But that's why I've learned to bite really fast and direct when speaking objections start because that's usually a better way to temper it in my experience than letting an attorney keep going, you know, and just asking politely or, you know, you need to be really serious about it because of the way it can affect your testimony. I think it bears repeating. Calling the judge is the absolute last option, in my opinion, the speaking objection needs to get to the point where it is completely halting the deposition. You cannot get the testimony out and you need to have a really good reason to go to the judge. I don't even think it can be after the third time. Like, I think you got to have quite a bit of evidence in order to go to the judge because there's a possibility that if as much as you may be in the right and the other attorney is in the wrong, that judge hasn't been there. He or she has not been watching, does not know what the testimony was or what the objections were. They have to rely on whatever you're presenting to them. And if you go in and say, he's done this to me three times now, the judge is going to say, figure it out. Why are you calling me? So I always try really hard to err on the side of, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And again, just nuclear option. It is last, last resort. Totally agree. I don't think that you should be the person who's threatening in every deposition to call the judge. It's basically like when the babysitter threatens to call the parents. Like, doesn't happen often. <laughs> it generally gets the kids to, you know, and the behave. parents definitely don't want to hear from the babysitter. Exactly. The and judge could, feels the same yeah, way. You don't want it to backfire on you, and it yeah. certainly could. Well, Liz and Megan, you guys have a transcript where they actually did take a break and called the judge, right? Yes. And I will add that in this particular case, this was a very contentious case from the beginning. There were dozens of experts. And by the time this particular deposition was taken, the speaking objections had become a pretty serious issue. And it had happened in multiple prior depositions. And this particular deposition was one I read as a young attorney and sort of figured out, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do in this situation. So that's why even though this deposition is a couple years old and is not mine, 
I still remember it and I'm glad we're able to read it today. So our attorney is the one cutting off the speaking objections. And I will be playing the objecting attorney. So, and scene. (laughs) (laughs) Let me object to the form to the extent it misstates his testimony, but to the extent he said he believes it's underreported, the reported... We're not doing speaking objections here. Not going to do it. I will stop the deposition. Go ahead and stop it. You can have an objection. You can say misstates testimony. We're not going to do speaking objections here. So the literature is what he said based on what the clinical guidelines are. Okay. I'm stopping it and calling the judge. Go ahead. We're taking a timeout. So that deposition, and Liz, I remember this case too, they did have this problem in so many depositions time and time again, which is why this escalated so quickly. And another thing you might think about doing if you find yourself in that position is the next status conference you have, bring it up with the judge that it's a problem. Get the judge to put a line in an order from your status conference that says, you know, no speaking objections in any depositions. And that's going to be more powerful going forward and shutting down that attorney as well. Okay, so I pulled one of my recent depositions, and this exchange happened in the middle of the witness being really upset and emotional about the collision that had happened. And the witness was basically testifying in a way the attorney did not want. And the witness was admitting liability, and the defense attorney did not want his client to admit liability and seemed to be trying to stop it. Let me give some context, too. This wasn't even an objection, really. Uh, It was a statement after the testimony had already come out. So, Megan, feel free to go forward as the defense attorney in this one. Okay. That's why I objected to the question, because responsibility means a lot of things. I don't know. Hold on. I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and you can't stop me. If you have a legal objection for the record, you can make it. We're not doing speaking objections. Absolutely not. Do you have a legal objection? Are you finished? Do you have a legal objection? That's the problem with the question. Responsibility means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Sir, no. No. Let's take a break. That's fine. We can take a break. I hope I wasn't that snippy in it. I probably (laughs) was, though. (laughs) So this was an interesting one in the fact that the attorney was really trying to change the testimony. Later on in the deposition, they were making objections that you wouldn't make in a deposition like relevance and explaining a legal theory. And it was very disruptive to the testimony. And when I read back through the transcript, it was really hard to get a clear record because of the objections. And quite frankly, I wish I would have done more at the time. The deposition was kind of all over the place when you have a witness who's trying to tell one story and the attorney representing that witness was trying to change the testimony. I will add one caveat for when you are the person defending the deposition. This is why preparing your witness, if you have an opportunity to. Now, in that particular case, I don't know if that attorney got to prepare the witness ahead of time. But I know when my clients are being set for their depositions, I explain to them every now and then I might be making an objection. And this is what these objections mean. So if I say speculation I'm not coaching you because I'm not going to speak. I'm going to make my record clear. But that can be a clue to you of there's something wrong with this question and I need to listen carefully and maybe it needs to be repeated just so I have a full understanding of what exactly they're asking me. So that's why I think speaking objections are 
ridiculous and why they shouldn't be allowed. And if you're really that concerned about quote unquote coaching your witness, it's not about coaching your witness. It's about properly preparing them and sufficiently preparing them ahead of time, which if you are doing your due diligence for your clients, you should be doing that anyway. That's the one caveat I want to add. Okay, so we will leave you with everyone's favorite. This is a good four pages of attorneys going back and forth, three attorneys, in fact. And this, again, lots of history between this group of attorneys, lots of history in the case of the defense attorney being obstructionist and making these kinds of objections. So maybe we should identify, because there are going to be three speakers, who is the plaintiff's attorney and who is the, the defendant's attorney? So there are two plaintiff's attorneys that were co-counsel. I will be one of them. And Erica is the one who is actually asking the questions of the defense expert. Okay. And so Erica is a plaintiff's attorney and she is taking the deposition. Elizabeth, you were playing the other plaintiff's attorney. And then I will be playing the defense attorney. Fun. <laughs> Put your defense attorney hat back on list. <laughs> Ready. Okay, we'll let the record speak for itself. Doctor, are you aware of what symptoms? Which records? You have to stop. I'm tired of the coaching objections. It's not coaching him. It's not going to happen. We'll cancel the depot. This is done. Do not do that to me. Do not do that to me. Only one person can talk. I'm not asking any questions. This is about you stopping, misbehaving, and feeding him answers. You're going to stop it. Quit it or we will cut the depot. I'm not asking any questions, so I didn't do anything. I'm asking you to quit doing improper things. Please. I'm going to let you finish. I'm done. Are you done? Yes. So number one, only one lawyer is going to handle speaking on the record on this deposition. So don't do that again. You do that all the time. Number two, my question to you was you said let the record speak for itself. My question to you was what record, the testimony or the medical records? So you guys can come in here and you want to fight. Incorrect. I'm not talking to you. I don't want to hear you. You're talking to both of us. If you want to stop this and go to the judge, we can do that. I'd be delighted. What I'm saying, we're not here to fight. You can ask some questions. My question to you is, what do you mean by the record? The medical record or what? Now, if you don't want to answer that, then that's fine. We can move on. But I'm not coaching him in any way, shape, or form. I had a question about what's the record. I have a right to be able to inquire about that just like we're at trial. And I have a question. I can make an objection. I can go to the judge and seek clarification. So that's what I'm doing. Now, let's move on unless you guys don't want to move on. If you want to stop this deposition and go to the judge, then that's okay with me because I don't think I've done anything improper. You've fed him two answers. I will ask only one lawyer that I don't get double-barreled and only one lawyer speak and ask questions on the record. Let's move on. No problem. I'll let him know any suggestions I have. Look, it's a form of intimidation and harassment. And so when you have two lawyers doing that, I have not directed a single statement to the doctor, only to you. Let's move on. Let's complete this task that we have before us today in a civil manner. I'm ready to do that. Let's go. However, since we're making a record, I will put on the record that your objections are speaking objections. That if I want to know what was wrong with the form, I will ask you. When you say form, vague, you're oh no. coaching oh no. the witness. That's what it is. You're absolutely incorrect on Missouri law. You cannot state an objection. I let you talk, but you're interrupting me now. I'll let you finish because you made a misstatement about Missouri law. So go ahead and finish, and then I'll tell you about what I believe the law says. And that's not the only answer that you fed to the doctor today. My co-counsel is absolutely correct, and we asked you not to do it the first time. 
I'm happy to complete the depot, but what I don't want to happen anymore is pointing him to the records or giving him things he doesn't ask for. He's here to testify. If he needs something, he can tell us. You can finish, and then we'll move on. You made a statement about speaking objections. Let me tell you right now, objection to the form in the state of Missouri preserves nothing. You must state the reason for your objection. We have not suggested any answers to him whatsoever. So let's move on. All right, doctor. <laughs> so, so that was a doozy. Yeah. And we did our best, but you know the tensions were so high in that going back and forth. I will say, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, I do. You always tell agree. me the devil doesn't need an advocate. I know. I, I, <laughs> I, I say that the devil doesn't need any more legal representation, but. I will say if there are two lawyers in the deposition and only one is supposed to be taking the deposition, I do think it is improper for both to be making objections. And I just say that as someone who has been in situations where there are maybe two attorneys representing the same party, and if they're both speaking, that's two brains against my one. I don't think that's fair. So I, I will say that, in my opinion, it really should only be the attorney taking the deposition that is making the objections or responding to objections. When a defense attorney wants to keep objecting to your line of questioning and it's really, really obstructionist, I will offer a rolling objection, continuing objection to this line of questioning. And I will state on the record, you've noted your objection. I am happy to grant you a continuing objection to this line of questioning so we can get on and make a clean record. And usually attorneys will accept that. And that seems to calm things down a little bit too. I've had to do that recently. It can be really distracting and, and throw you off if they say the same objections, even if it's not really a speaking objection, but they maybe list a string of a few different objections and they repeat it for an entire line of questioning. And I may know that it's a perfectly valid line of questioning for me to go down. And I know they're just trying to make this record. And I've had it happen where I've offered uh, a continuing objection until this line of questioning is over. And they say, sure, and basically be quiet for the rest of the line of questioning. But I've had other situations where they did not accept it. And they said, no, I want to make the record clear. And in that case, I didn't really know how to respond to that. I just had to kind of push through, but it was very distracting. And I did probably cut that line of questioning shorter than I would have in any other situation. I think I typically try to shame them by saying, well, if you want to object every single time, we're going to be here for the next seven hours. And that's when their client shoots them a look of shut up. I want to get out of here. Sometimes that works. I'm a big fan of just shaming the other side into being quiet. So they get no choice, you know, <laughs> no choice. They're probably saying the same thing about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I hope you have found our real life examples of our deposition objections entertaining and maybe a little educational. As a takeaway, make sure if you say you're going to call the judge, you're ready to do it and cut off those speaking objections early. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. New episodes come out on Wednesdays and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Subscribe to Heels in the Courtroom now and check out the other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury is Out podcast from nationally recognized attorney John Simon offers insights and mentorship to attorneys who want to stay at the top of their game. Check it out.